Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us bad. My name is Bill, this is episode 329. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Happy spring. Spring has sprung. The snow that got dumped on my place of living in a springtime snowstorm, how screwed up is that, is melting as I'm recording this. You might occasionally... Although, maybe not where I'm sitting. I was going to say you might occasionally hear uh, snow dripping off of the roof outside. I keep going to the sink in the kitchen to check if the faucet's running because it's so loud. But yeah, yesterday, as I'm recording, we got dumped on like eight inches of snow, even though it's springtime. Screw you, Mother Nature. Can you not read a calendar? I'm sorry, Mother Nature. I I, I love you, really. No tornadoes or floods or anything. Okay, uh, are we good? Really? Okay, good. Thanks. It is episode number 17, since I died from COVID. I'm still alive. I am thankful I have not gotten COVID again. I feel bad for you guys, first of all, who got COVID at all, and then those of you who've gotten it multiple times. That sucks. COVID sucks, basically. Uh, As I've said many times, keep getting your shots, your boosters, do what you need to do. All right, what's going on? Oh, promotion time. Got a new thing coming out. It's not actually my thing, but I contributed to it. I've mentioned it on the show before. It's called D20 or Die, Memories of Old School Role-Playing Games from Today's Grown-Up Kids. This is an anthology of essays edited by Jim Beard and Forrest Helvey about the experience of playing role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons, but there are a lot of other ones too, back in the 70s and 80s, which I think is kind of the, not the peak, but the the heyday, perhaps, the, the advent, maybe, of those kind of games. And uh, there was a brief stretch in the 80s when I played Dungeons & Dragons with uh, some of my friends. Although, to be honest, my friends were really just there to screw around, much to the uh, chagrin of our dungeon master. But uh, it was a a fun period. It was, uh, as I got to thinking about it more, it was sort of a time capsule of 80s-ness, at least in my little world. And uh, I raised my hand and I told Jim, hey, I could write an essay. He said, okay. And I did, and he didn't hate it. So he put it in the book, uh, and I'm excited about that. So the book, D20 or Die, will be out sometime this spring, I'm told. I don't have the exact date uh, as I'm sitting here, but uh, watch for that. You can get updates about that and other things that he's working on at the Facebook page, Jim, the Jim Beard and Becky Books page. Becky Books is the publisher. And yeah, they post regular updates on there. They post about other books they've got coming out. This is not the first book in this sort of series of pop culture remembrances. That's my phrase, not theirs. And other stuff that they're working on that's really fun. So go check that out. Look for the book. When you do read it, let me know what you thought, because I'm curious to know if people like the essay or not. So I'm excited about that. Nothing to do with Atari games. Nothing to do with uh, any, uh, really any video games, right? It's, it's role-playing stuff. But if that's an interest of yours, or you just have uh, nostalgia for the 70s and 80s, this could be a book for you. So go check that out. Okay, that's a th- new thing I have coming. Now i got to talk about a new thing that's maybe not coming. Okay, so here's the thing. Episode 0 of this show, Atari Bytes, dropped on January 18, 2016, followed on the 24th by Episode 1, which was Yar's Revenge on January 24th, 2016. So that's over seven years ago, and the show has not stopped since. We have not missed a release since one week in 2017, 
when I had an unexpected emergency emergency room visit and hospital stay, which messed up production for that week. I have uh, released an episode every other date that an episode was scheduled. The schedule has changed a bit, but uh, there have been regular episodes ever since 2016, the beginning of 2016. I have since then added another podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Uh, I have a job. And I have a family that likes to see me once in a while. I have also, because I'm a glutton for punishment, taken on another project recently. Uh, It's not a podcast. It's another thing that I'm working on that I'm very excited about that I I really want to see through. And it's going to be hard to do that and all the other stuff at the same time. So I have made the difficult decision to put Atari Bytes on hiatus. It's not an ending to the podcast. The show is not going away, but it is taking a little break. My plan right now is after this episode, I'm going to put out one more episode in a couple weeks on the regular schedule. So uh, April, mid-April, I guess, is when that would be out. And then uh, the show's off air, out of production until, I think, Christmas. My plan is to return at Christmas time with Mean Santa and uh, and then you know resume releases at that point. There's a number of reasons for this. Well, a couple. One, to let me hopefully finish this other thing that I'm working on. And then also, I think it might not be a bad idea to take a step back for a little bit and uh, think about the show. I like the show as it is. I think you guys like the show as it is. But there could be things we could do different. Could be other things we could do. You know, it's not a bad idea to uh, take a little break once in a while and think about that stuff. This will give you guys a chance to, uh, you know, think about the show. Please think about the show. Please don't forget about the show. Uh, That is my big worry that uh, you guys are going to wander away. My plan, although there won't be new episodes, uh, I think I will re-release, so to speak, past episodes. They're still out there as it is, but I may sort of re-release old episodes as quote-unquote new episodes from time to time on some sort of a regular schedule. I don't quite know what the schedule is yet, at least occasionally. The feed will still be up. Please keep the show in your feed Go back and listen to the old episodes, even if I don't, quote-unquote, re-release them. And and I may occasionally do a new thing as the spirit moves me. The social media will all still be there. Uh, Atari Bytes uh, on uh, Twitter, until Twitter dies, horrible death. Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, at at, uh, Twitter and all the other places, Spoutable, uh, Tumblr, the other ones that I'll mention at the end of the show. Uh, I'm Carnival of Glee over there still. Uh, Please keep up with the social media, and I will post announcements as things come up. I'm not burned out on the show. Uh, I want to make that clear. The show's not going away. I just need to step back so that I can make a little room in my schedule to do this other thing that's really important to me. So uh, it was not an easy decision, but uh, I think it's the right thing to do right now. If you can't go (laughs) a period of time without my voice, um, well, if you want to if you want my words, all my books are still available if you want to buy those. But if you really need to hear my my lovely voice, you can. My other show, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown, is still in production. I, I think I can keep up with that show a little easier. This show is really time-consuming. I like writing the stories every episode, but even though they're really short, they take a lot of time. It's almost harder to write a short thing than a long thing, and, and it's hard put the stories out. That's uh, that's the draining part of doing the show. Clearly, it's not the video game playing, because any of you who've obviously listened to this show and, uh, and or watched the field reports know I suck at the games. So I'm clearly not spending a lot of time on the games. So it's the story writing that 
which is my favorite part of the show, but also the most time consuming. So that's why I made the decision. If I had to put one show on hiatus, it was going to be this one. So again, I'm sorry. Uh, please come back when the show comes back, which I think will be, like I said, at Christmas time, 2023. Uh, in the meantime, I will try to put things out occasionally. Perhaps I'll get on a re-release schedule of old stuff so you can go back and hear me suck. Not only as a video game player, but as a podcaster, because that'll be fun. You know, in the meantime, your assignment is to think about, is there anything you would like to hear differently on the show? Stuff that I could add, stuff that I could stop doing, games that you would like to see that I haven't done. I've done 330 episodes, but there's still a lot of games out there, either for the 2600, 7800, 5200. You know, maybe someday I'll add a Jaguar to the, uh, to the mix. I don't know. I don't have a console right now. But who knows, maybe I will at some point. You know, games that you would like to see and things you would like maybe for me to add. Uh, thoughts on that. No promises about any of it, right? That's my disclaimer, but I'm open to any and all suggestions. Oh, you may be hearing my dog snoring in the background. Sorry about that, she just started snoring. Apparently, uh, I'm still not that great of a podcaster. Um, I have my audience falling asleep. Yeah, so that's what it is. But you know what? In the meantime, we've still got this episode. We've still got one more after this. And, and life is still good because Atari is Atari. So uh, enough of the, the bummer part of the show. Let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Cookie Monster Munch from Atari and the Children's Computer Workshop, 1983 for the 2600. I said it before, I really like the Muppets. I think if I wasn't doing all these other podcasts I would and, and other stuff in my life, I would consider doing a Muppet podcast because I dig the Muppets a lot. I've done on the show already uh, the Oscar the Grouch game, the Bidbird game. I think there's an Ernie game, but I don't think I've done it on the show. But then I, I, I've known about the Cookie Monster one for a while, but I'd never done it. And I felt like if I'm going on hiatus, uh, I want to get that one done before I go. So here we are. This manual might be one of the longest, despite the uh, simplicity of the game. Part of that is to do with the fact that half of it is written in English, half of it is written in French. Actually, no, the breakdown is even more divided. There's an English section, a French section, a German, Italian, 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 maybe I do need to take a break from the show, and uh, Spanish. There are also uh, extra activities that really don't have anything to do with the manual. The manual opens with a note to parents. Those of you out there who are not parents can uh, you know, go get uh, a beverage of your choice while I talk about this part. Cookie Monster Munch game provides children with a fun way to practice several important pre-reading skills. When you play Cookie Monster Munch with your child, you can reinforce these learning goals by talking about the game as you play. Use the words left, right, up, and down, and encourage your child to use them too. Say things like, I'm making Cookie Monster go to the right to get his cookies. Or, can you make Cookie Monster go down to get the cookie jar? This clearly is for uh, younger kids, right? The pre-reading set. Because by the time your kids get to be tweens or teenagers, if you say things like, can you go get the cookie jar? At least what happens in my house is, whichever kid it is says, why can't, insert other kid's name, do that, and then they storm off. Like I said, that's at least how it goes in my house. Is that not how it's supposed to go? Anyway, so the game is basically a maze. So these learning activities involve, you know, moving different directions in the maze and talking about what direction you're moving. Tracing a maze pattern with while staying within its borders, gives children practice with the type of hand-eye coordination that is important for beginning reading and writing. So this game is aimed at really young kids. 
Learning to follow directional arrows provides experience with print symbols that young children need to use in school. Using the arrows on the controller also helps children become familiar with the relational concepts of up, down, left, and right. The game is designed for the Atari Kids controller. I do not have that, but I do have the uh, number pad controller, and that's what I used. A Cookie Monster Munch overlay was included with the original cartridge. Uh, I don't have that either, so I just had trying to guess through trial and error which buttons on the number pad I was supposed to push. Go different directions and pick up the cookie. Use the game select switch to choose one of 10 exciting game levels. Press game select until the game number and the number of players you want appear on the screen. Press game reset to start the game or start a game over during play. Difficulty switches not used in this game. The object is to pick up as many cookies as possible and put them in the cookie jar. Your score at the bottom of the screen counts the cookies as you drop them into the jar. The jar really, really loves when you drop cookies into it. The little lid flaps up and down. It's very cute. To move through the garden maze, I don't know why these cookies are scattered all over the garden maze, but okay. Press the arrow on your keypad overlay that points in the direction you want to go. Cookie Monster must stay on the garden path. A buzz will sound each time he reaches the edge of the path, and that's about it. It's not like you lose a life or anything. It just buzzes at you. To pick up a cookie, move Cookie Monster over the cookie and press the cookie on the keypad overlay. On the number pad overlay, I think it was you had to press number five. And like I say, pretty quickly with a little trial and error, you can figure that out. So you drop the cookie in the jar. The jar lid goes, yay. It doesn't actually say that. It flaps up and down. And uh, you head back on your way to pick up another cookie. Positioning cookie monster over the cookie may require some practice. If your child has difficulty, say, look carefully. Is the cookie between cookie monster's feet? At the end of each round, cookie monster will eat all the cookies in the jar. One by one. And he does. You have to sit there and watch him one by one, which seems a little out of character. I think he would take the whole jar and just dump it into his mouth. But maybe he's trying to be polite. Not super polite because he scatters crumbs all over the place. Very poor eating etiquette. So he eats the cookies one by one, and you can watch the crumbs fly and count the cookies the Cookie Monster eats. As I noted earlier, Cookie Monster contains 10 levels of play. In some games, you are the Cookie Monster. In other games, you are the Cookie Kid. After reading the game descriptions, use the game table on the back of the booklet for quick reference. Each new game level is designed to be more difficult than the last. Encourage your child to start playing the easiest game first and to practice the skill levels that will lead to the next level of difficulty. 1, 2, and 3 are beginner level. 4 through 10 are timed play for 1 or 2 players. The interesting thing for us older kids, for the timed levels, is it appears what happens is you do the first level, and there's, like most Atari games, with a time limit, it's a bar that uh, gradually decreases in length as you go. And then what happens is you finish level 1, and, start, and it's on level 2, instead of a new bar with uh, a new amount of time on it, you just get the leftover time from the first level. Uh, at least that's what it looked like to me. So, yeah, you know, haul ass in the first level. Your little, your little blue butt, it's got to be moving uh, so that you have as much time as you can for the next level because the next level, it also appeared to me, is longer. You have to walk a lot farther. And Cookie Monster, in this game anyway, doesn't seem to like to run. So it's a bit of a challenge, I must say, even for us older kids, to get it done. Not The doing of it isn't hard. It's the practical issue of getting it done in the time that you have. As I said, 4, 5, and 6 are timed games. 7, 8, and 9 feature Cookie Kid and Cookie Monster. In those games, you are the Cookie Kid collecting cookies for a surprise party for the Cookie Monster. He doesn't know this and is nervously pacing back and forth behind the fence guarding his precious cookie garden. Why this game, these games exist with the Cookie Kid, but okay. If I was, you know, a preschooler, I would want to be the Cookie Monster. As soon as you pick up a cookie in those games, Cookie Monster jumps over the fence and runs after you. If he catches you, he eats all the cookies. 
that you're carrying while chasing you, he'll also stop and gobble up any cookies in his path, because of course he will. Each time he catches you, or each time you drop cookies in the cookie jar, Cookie Monster heads back to the fence to guard the cookie garden until you pick up another cookie. You have five minutes, collect cookies in game seven, four in game eight, three in game nine. Mazes get more difficult as you move from seven to nine, but every cookie maze hides nine delicious cookies. Ten, game ten, is a super challenging game, supposedly. Plays like game nine, but the mazes are invisible. Holy crap. Cookie Monster has an invisible cookie garden. Let's talk about that for a minute. Each time you hear a buzz, you'll know Cookie Kid has reached the edge of the path. Well, although, as I noted, nothing really happens. Try another direction. You have three minutes to collect cookies and run from the hungry Cookie Monster. Each time you pick up a cookie, the maze flashes briefly. Try to remember the shortest way back to the cookie jar and the quickest way to more cookies. So yeah, the maze has disappeared, but of course you can see where the cookies are. And as I said, nothing really happens to you if you touch the edge of the maze other than an annoying buzz. So uh, the, the threat level here is not that high. And now, all of those instructions in French. Just kidding, I'm not going to read that section. That, evidently, is how you play Cookie Monster Munch from Atari and the Children's Computer Workshop. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. The Atari Poop column on onemorecastle.com called this game an adult game disguised as a children's game. The game is educational, but developers knew that parents weren't trying to buy an educational game for themselves. However, since parents were exactly the kind of people they wanted to see buying the game, it was marketed for children instead. On the surface, it's very simple, but it's pretty much one of the first psychological horror games ever made, one year after Pac-Man, and the first, and quite possibly only, child-rearing sim. The game is meant to show the parents of a young child, or even future parents, exactly what it's like to have children. The effect was so chilling, Canadian and American birth rates have yet to recover. He notes, as I did, the terrible, terribly clunky and slow movement of Cookie Monster, which is, in this reviewer's opinion, exactly how a toddler moves, and it can be just as infuriating. He says, honestly, I've seen my son, one and a half at the time, walk directly into a wall in front of him while he was looking at it. Cookie Monster is also terrible at picking things up, like the damn cookies. Still, have you ever seen a one-year-old kid try to pick something up off the floor? They're terrible at it. Still want kids? Just wait. Once Cookie Monster has collected and deposited all the cookies into the jar with the skill and expertise of a person having epileptic seizures, in parentheses he adds here that he's allowed to make this joke because his wife has epilepsy and makes worse jokes about it all the time. You get to see, thanks to a cutscene, a close-up of his face eating cookies and the effect it has on him. Oh, I didn't mention that. When he's eating the cookies, for one thing, you're watching him spray crumbs out of his mouth all over the place, and then when he's done, his eyes spin. It's kind of freaky. Honestly, the reviewer says, the only way this game to do a better job of showing what it's like to have kids is if it also woke you up every hour at night for two years. 
Sadly, the 2600 just didn't have the hardware for that function, but I think the 7800 did. So if any of you out there are thinking about having children, soon or at any point in your life, do yourselves a favor and play this game. Similarly, HonestGamers.com notes that every year since 1969, that blue overgrown puppet that carries 99% of his weight in sugar has been making sure that no cookies in his sight collect dust on a classic show for children called Sesame Street. After 14 years of devouring his favorite food while millions of laughing children and hunger developing parents watched him on their television sets, the children's computer workshop decided to grow to give the furry little creature his very own game. This reviewer says that uh, as a kid he was Huge fan of Sesame Street, a huge fan of video games. I can tell you that I've played Tricky Monster Munch a lot throughout the years. Yeah, 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 laugh all you want, since the game is a kiddie game and since it features a Sesame Street theme, but I'm going to be brave and tell you that even though I'm now in my 20s, Cookie Monster Munch is still a fun game to play. Uh, the reviewer is not crazy about the first three games that never seem to end, but the timed ones are fun. The game is surprisingly addicting. I can attest to that, by the way. It has some of the best graphics and sound of any 2600 game. Also true. The mazes aren't really mazes. The layouts look like mazes. The layouts just look like mazes. That's true. It's not like you're going to get lost here or have any dead ends. Characters and the mazes are colorful, nice animation, a good amount of detail. The sounds is a highlight. 99% of Atari 2600 games didn't have music, but this game does, and it's pretty good. The sound effects are pretty good, from the popping and rattling sound of the cookie jar to the sound of the dreaded cookie monster leaping over the fence to the sound of the pot-bellied creature eating a cookie. Utilizes use of the keyboard controller, which is good, in this reviewer's opinion. Lots of replay value. The game is definitely worth getting for the variations and for the two-player capability. 7 out of 10. I don't know I need to tell you guys a whole lot about Sesame Street. All of us, unless you're really young and were Disney, Disney Kids, whatever the Disney Kids channel was called 15 years ago. Kids. And actually, despite my love of Muppets, my kids actually were Disney Channel Kids. Much more than Sesame Street. Just because the schedules, you know, we had to be up early and go to work and Sesame Street wasn't on yet. But Disney Channel was. Um, but most of us listening to this probably grew up on Sesame Street. So I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about what Sesame Street is. But Cookie Monster, according to Wikipedia, revealed in a song in 2004 and in an interview in 2017 that his real name is Sid. All right. He's best known for his voracious appetite and famous eating catchphrases such as, Me want cookie. He preferred food... His preferred food is cookies, but he eats almost anything. Um, I remember some years ago there was a uh, some blowback about the fact that he pretty much only ate cookies, and he started calling them a sometimes food, and uh, they would feature him eating healthier things, fruit and veggies and things. He is known, apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently he's known to have a mother, a younger sister, and a cousin, identical in design, who does not like cookies, the cousin I assume they're referring to, all three have his characteristic blue fur and googly eyes. His father appeared in a mouse, uh, monster piece theater sketch promoting energy conservation, water conservation, and environmentalism. His mother and father both share his enormous appetite and craving for cookies. The book Jim Henson's Designs and Doodles talked about Cookie Monster's origin thusly. In 1966, Henson, meaning Jim Henson, creator of the Muppets, drew three monsters that ate cookies and appeared in a General Foods commercial that featured three crunchy snack foods. Wheels, crowns, and flutes. Each snack was represented by a different monster. The wheel stealer was a short, fuzzy monster with wonky eyes and sharply pointed teeth. The flute snatcher was a speed demon with a long, sharp nose and wind-blown hair. The crown grabber was a hulk of a monster with a Boris Karloff accent and teeth that resembled giant knitting needles. They all had insatiable appetites for the snack food they were named after, and each time the Muppet narrator, a human-looking fellow, fixes himself a tray of wheels, flutes, and crowns, 
They disappear before you can eat them. One by one, the monsters sneak in and zoom away with the snacks. Frustrated and peckish, the narrator warns viewers that these pesky monsters could be disguised as someone in your own home, at which point the monsters briefly turn into people and then dissolve back to monsters again. All of that uh, build up, and then they, uh, the book says that the, mon- the commercials never aired. But all three of those monsters ended up in the Muppet cast. The Crown Grabber was used in a Ed Sullivan show sketch, in which he ruins a girl's beautiful day and was known from then on as the Beautiful Day Monster, and he was on Sesame Street in The Muppet Show a bunch of times. The Flute Snatcher turned into Snake Frackle, a background monster from the Great Santa Claus Switch and The Muppet Show. In 67, Henson used the Wheel Stealer puppet for an IBM training film called Coffee Break Machine, Uh, and in the sketch, The Computer Dinner, the monster with frightening eyes and fangs, devours a complex coffee-making machine as it describes its different parts. When he's finished, the machine announces the monsters activate the machine's anti-vandalism system, which contains the most powerful explosive known to man. The monster promptly explodes. The sketch was also performed in October of 67 on the Ed Sullivan Show and later on the George Burns episode of The Muppet Show using the Lunch Encounter monster. A similar design was used later in a Frito-Lay potato snack commercial, and then in a later routine, the unnamed monster won a quiz show and for winning was given the choice of $10,000 cash, a new car, a trip to Hawaii, or a cookie. He took the cookie, and from then on, he was the cookie monster. The cookie monster, still unnamed, made a Sesame Street debut in the first episode, interfering with Kermit the Frog's famous W lecture by eating a model W bit by bit. I remember that. He turns it into an N, a V, and finally an I to Kermit's frustration. He then tries to eat Kermit. Sometime during the first season, Cookie Monster got his name and began using the growly vernacular, Me, Cookie, that would become part of his character. His signature song, C is for Cookie. Now what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. Oh, Cookie, Cookie, Cookie starts with C. Was first aired during the 1971-72 season, and it became one of the best-known songs from Sesame Street. I mentioned Monsterpiece Theater earlier. On that running uh, series of vignettes or, or sketches, Cookie Monster played a character called Alistair Cookie, which was inspired by a guy named Alistair Cook from a show called Masterpiece Theater. Masterpiece Theater, uh, most of you probably know, was a show that ran on PBS, at least in the United States, from 1971 to 1992. It was hosted by Alistair Cook, born in 1908, died in 2004. He was a British-American writer whose work as a journalist, television personality, and radio broadcaster primarily occurred in the United States and hosted Masterpiece Theater for 22 years. He retired from the show in 92 and, as I said, uh, passed away in 2004. Masterpiece Theater was a drama anthology television series produced by WGBH Boston. It presented numerous acclaimed British productions, many produced uh, by the BBC, but has also included lineups in its lineup programs shown in, on the UK commercial channels ITV and Channel 4. And, as I said, Cookie Monster played a version called Alistair Cookie. Good texture. Um, 
Welcome to Monsterpiece Theater. Me, Alistair Cookie. Tonight, me proud to present One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Story of number one and its historic flight over Cuckoo's Nest. Here now, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. According to the Muppet Witty, the children's computer workshop uh, was a division of the children's television workshop created in 1982 to create educational computer and video games based on characters and concepts from Sesame Street. The first set of games was released in 82 for the 48K Apple. They included Mix and Match, Ernie's Quiz, Spotlight, Instant Zoo, and a second uh, set in 1983, Cookie Monster Munch, Ernie's Magic Shapes, Grover's Number Rover, Picture Place, Taxi, Peanut Butter Panic, I guess that's it, and those games used AppleSoft Basic, the other three... Mix and Match used AppleSoft Basic. The other three required Integer Basic. They started doing uh, Atari 2600 games in 83. They worked with Atari to create a kids controller for young children that had a large keypad. Each game was packaged with a plastic overlay that could be placed on top of the keypad to help children, children learn how to control the characters in the game. The 1983 releases were Cookie Monster Munch, along with games in 83 and 84 for Radio Shack's TRS-80, including Ernie's Magic Shapes, Grover's Number Rover, Big Bird Special Delivery, Taxi, Peanut Butter Panic, Picture Place, and Flipside, which were released on cassette tape. I would really like to talk more about the Muppets, but we can't, because we have to go play this game. So, after the break, we gobble the goods. Everybody likes cookies, right? Henry, do you like cookies? Henry's not sure he likes cookies, but I think he does. We are playing a game with everybody's favorite Muppet. Insert favorite Muppet here, as long as it's Cookie Monster. It's called Cookie Monster Munch. And I'm going to start it right now. Gratuitous headshot. I'm playing game six, so there's actually a timer to add a little bit of challenge to it. I say a little bit, of course, because this game is specifically designed for little kids. If you're not watching, we have a little maze here. That was the sound of the cookie jar getting all excited because I put a cookie in it. Now I'm picking up another one. That little uh, screechy noise, I don't know what to call it, is me going off of the path, or trying to. Nothing really happens to you except it makes that noise. Mm. Cookie Monster looks good. Looks like cookie. Cookies look good, I guess. They're little brown discs. There's not a whole lot to this game, of course, but like I said, it's specifically made for little kids. Why all these cookies are scattered on the ground? Out in this yard, I don't know, but alright. 
Am I gonna finish in time? Gosh, it's getting exciting. Alright, one more cookie. I got plenty of time, he says. Ironically, if I end up losing. Can he do it? Yay! The cookie jar is full, I guess. Then we go to round two. Which is a pretty big maze, actually. And you get less time. I think it's a leftover time. Is it? Oh, is that what it is, Henry? Yeah, it's a leftover time. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't realize that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, dilly-dallied so much. I have a bad feeling about this. I hate to admit that I'm a 57, 50, not 57, 50-something 50 year old man. And I might get beaten on level 2 of this uh, preschooler game. I don't think I'm going to finish this level. I have way too many cookies scattered around here. Yeah, it's not looking good for me. I gotta go way mm. over here. Mm. I don't know if I mentioned. I'm not using the kids controller mm. that has mm. the uh, overlay with the buttons mm. on it. Mm. I'm using the uh, number keypad mm. for the mm. Atari. And uh, mm. I just had to figure out where which buttons would make it go. I am out of time. So, of course, uh, Cookie Monster gets shot. Just kidding. He eats the cookies that he collected. This is him rather messily eating his cookies. Seriously, Cookie. You're getting crumbs all over your face. On the last cookie, he'll explode. You ever watch somebody eat? It's gross. I don't know how people eat dinner together and stuff, because it's pretty disgusting. We're almost there. He's eating faster now. You're gonna get a stomach ache. Yeah, he died. Just kidding. Uh, that's the end of the game. That's how it ends. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. person I once knew, while complaining about someone she was arguing with, threw up her hands and said, he must think I live in a carnival-like atmosphere of glee. Upset as this person was, though, I always thought this sounded like kind of a cool state to live in. Well, I'm not there yet, but I've got a website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, and there's stuff on there, everything you can want, like the podcast Atari Bytes, featuring old games and original short stories that are pretty unrelated. And my other podcast, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown. 
covering anything and everything in and around the iconic Peanuts comic strip. If the printed word is more your thing, there are books on there too, like the novel in the Saint Nick of Time and short story collections Misery Banana, Hell's Serial, and Second Duck on the Right. Want to know what else I'm up to? That's all there too. CarnivalofGleeCreations.com. Everything you need. Glee not included. Here's the thing about Cookie Monster Munch. I had fun playing this game. Yes, it's really simple, but sometimes really simple games are really addictive. I was a little surprised how in the timed game, while still not hard to play, it was hard to get it done, each level done in the time that you had. There is a little bit of pressure there, especially if you're a little kid, I would think. I have not had a little kid play this. My kids are teenagers, so this would not be a game for them, but... I would think if I had a, a preschooler, you know, a three-year-old or four-year-old here trying to play this game, they would have fun. But yeah, it would there would be a bit of a challenge there. So kudos for that. Children's Computer Workshop for creating a game that you do learn from, I guess. You learn your numbers and your directions, I suppose, your hand-eye coordination, but you also have fun. And the game looks good, right? It's colorful. Cookie Monster looks like Cookie Monster. And, it, it, you know, the cookie jar is fun. The little cutscenes are fun. I am perfectly happy with this game. I would definitely recommend it for anyone listening who has little kids. And even if you yourself are just a big kid, uh, add it to your collection. Why not? It's a good one. If you want to argue with me or give me your cookie recipes, you know how to reach me. It's story time. Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story comes to us actually from Bad Poetry Corner, and it's titled Don't Let the Cookie Crumble. Chocolate chip peanut butter, sugar, shortbread, or even mint. Snickerdoodle is a good fit. Baked goods bring us all together. A bit of joy from our mothers. Cookie crumbs fix all life's problems. Lots of pressure for a popum. Why can't we just enjoy pastry? Live a bit with something tasty. But our brains make biscotti grim. Food tears metaphors asunder. Our fears smeared with Oreo goo. We give Santa cookies to chew. Maybe give ghouls some to plunder. Hate as cookie sandwich filler. To fight the molasses monsters. Emotions on a pinwheel, sure. But drop the pain with drop cookies. Black and white make life's pie whoopee. Leave a good thumbprint, listeners. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here... Come visit us in the vertical blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, Pinball Spring, and Hidden Agenda. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Cookies are great, but even better is a five-star review of the show over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave such a review. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. 
And also, check us out on Instagram as uh, Atari Bytes over there as well. I'm also on Hive, Mastodon, Tumblr, and Spoutable. I post news as Carnival of Glee. Also, give us a call. I'm not going to answer the phone, no offense, but I would happily listen to a voicemail about pretty much anything you want at 563-265-1978, and I will probably play it on the show. Check out the website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, for anything you want to know about this show, about my other show, it's a podcast to Charlie Brown, and about books that I've written, such as Second Duck on the Right and In the Saint Nick of Time, and other stuff that I'm working on, all over there at carnivalofgleecreations.com. Also, please consider supporting the show by making a donation on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. Your support helps keep the lights on here in the podcast studio. Thanks for that. And thanks to my current patrons, Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Doble, Robert Ferguson, and David Cavallari. Fine folks, one and all. All right, all that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. Like I said earlier in the show, we're going to do one more before the hiatus. It'll be out in mid-April, and it's called, in honor of Tax Day, Tax Avoiders for the 2600. This is a game I've heard about for a long time, but I've never played. So I'm going to change that uh, next time on the show, because we're all excited about you know tax time. Why don't we play a game about it? That sounds fun. No, really, it'll be good. So join me one more time before the hiatus. Of course, then stick around for re-releases, go back and dig into the archives, possible new stuff. It's a hiatus, it's not an ending. So I'm excited to do one more. I'm excited for what comes after that. I hope you guys are too. And I hope that until next time, you'll go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,